This week on Erectile Dysfunction Radio. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. We can always get a man back to erections. It's just finding the pathway that's right for him. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. Welcome to another episode of the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. Today we are joined by Dr. Melissa Mendez. Dr. Mendez is a urologist with Chesapeake Urology. She has completed a fellowship in sexual dysfunction, among other things in the categories that are common in urology practice. We are really glad to have you join us, Dr. Mendez. Thanks so much for the opportunity. So today we're going to be discussing diagnostics when it comes to erectile dysfunction. I know that a lot of men think that erectile dysfunction is a very binary process. Either things are working or they're not. And in actuality, there's really a lot of complexity uh, that can be involved in the erection process. Dr. Mendez, can you give us an overview of the erection process and where problems can arise? Absolutely. So as you said, you know, this is a complex process, um, but I'm going to try and break it down into three main thought categories. So erections themselves are based on the inflow coming from the arteries and then the prevention of the blood returning to the body from the penis, which would come back to the body through the veins. So if you kind of think of the erectile bodies uh, similar to a kitchen sponge, when you get the sponge wet, or in this case fills with blood in the penis, it expands, it enlarges and engorges. This causes a compression of the veins which sit on the outside of these erectile bodies, which then get compressed and sealed off when the penis becomes firm, rigid and erect. This process of sealing off the veins with the compression helps keep the blood in the penis because now it cannot flow back to the body through these veins because they're compressed. Thus, the erection is maintained. So problems can arise in the erection process if there's either an inflow problem or a problem with the arteries, a venous leak problem, or the blood returning too soon to the body through the veins, or something called corporal fibrosis, which is like uh, essentially scar tissue formation. So if we go back to our kitchen sponge analogy, think of kind of a stiff sponge that does not expand. Generally speaking, there are three primary categories of components to the erection and where things could be going wrong. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Generally, what is the most common of those three that you see in your practice? So it's it's really a mixed bag. Many men will have some components of uh, both arterial flow being somewhat diminished or venous leak or that venous outflow being a little too fast for what we'd like. Also, other things can affect the um, tissue quality, which can be, you know, things associated to to diabetes, um, peripheral vascular disease, cardiac disease, which can affect the actual tissue of the penis. 
even erectile dysfunction itself, not getting those regular erectile cycles like morning erections in the penis, not getting expanded uh, as it usually would in uh, times where the erections were strong and regular, that in itself can cause scar tissue. Think of think of your other joints in your body or something else where if you haven't exercised it or used it lately, you feel stiff and it's not quite as um, limber as it used to be. The same thing kind of happens in the penile tissues. So those are kind of different things that can happen um, in the going wrong process. So um, things that affect blood flow can arise from anything like I briefly mentioned, cardiac disease, vascular disease, diabetes can affect flow. But another important category is the nervous system. So your nervous system controls your sympathetic system and your parasympathetic system. So those two can either dilate or increase blood flow or constrict and uh, diminish your blood flow. So one of the important systems um, that we'll talk a little bit about later is the sympathetic system, which is your stress system, think fight or flight, and that constricts blood flow. So that can have an effect on blood flow as well. Um, there can also be issues with preventing blood from returning to the body too soon or failure to compress those veins that can result from either fibrosis or that scar tissue that we talked about um, or other issues with the veins just remaining dilated, either they're a little stiff or whatnot. So those are all things that can go wrong in the process. And veins are what control the outflow. So if I'm, if I'm understanding you correctly, um, a big part of the erection process is the dilation or compression of the arteries, which is bringing the blood flow in, right? And the veins, which is um, taking the blood back out. Exactly. So um, sometimes I use a bucket analogy. So filling the bucket, um, trying to get the bucket full is the job of the arteries, the inflow. We want to be that dilated. And then the, the bottom of the bucket, if it has a hole in it, Think of that as our veins uh, returning the blood to the body too soon. If you have uh, a big return of blood through those veins, it's very hard to keep that bucket full. When it comes to making those di diagnostics, you know, I know at the time of this recording, we are really, on the one hand, we're, we're hopefully on the precipice of coming to some better place with this pandemic, but we're also in a really tough time. And telehealth has never been more common than it is today. So when would someone need to come into the office if they're experiencing erectile dysfunction versus being able to handle this over a telehealth appointment? That's an excellent question. So um, telehealth has really opened up the avenue to a new way of taking even better care of patients, in my opinion. So I often um, will see men for a telehealth appointment first, even before we've met in person. So we'll kind of discuss what's been going on with them, what their experiences have been, what they've tried, what's worked, what's not worked, um, you know, what are their goals, all of those things excellent to do over telehealth. Um, so it's a good introduction in terms of, you know, establishing that relationship. I always recommend for gentlemen to come into the office um, if they haven't had a physical exam of, you know, the penis, testicles, and the prostate, uh, especially if it's been more than a year. Uh, if they're having any complaints of penile curvature or any lumps, bumps, or hard uh, areas in the penis that, you know, they feel is new or different, uh, definitely want to see them in the office for an exam. Or if um, we're talking about, you know, 
their erectile dysfunction, things that they've tried, things that haven't worked, things that um, maybe need a little bit more investigation, um, and they may benefit from diagnostic diagnostic testing, uh, then we bring them into the office as well. And how does that diagnostic testing work for ED? So diagnostic testing in erectile dysfunction is predominantly utilized with uh, what's called a penile Doppler ultrasound. So the penile Doppler ultrasound is a ultrasound test. So if you've had an ultrasound on other parts of the body, um, it's just a probe with some jelly. Uh, There's no radiation, it's not painful. um, And it allows me to look at the tissues on the inside of the body in real time. Um, So if you think about maybe a pregnant woman um, and they put the ultrasound probe on the belly to look at the baby, it's the same type of technology, except for this time we're looking at the penis. It's really helpful for a man to understand why is he having difficulties with his erection? Because this ultrasound test can look at the blood flow in the penis. It's sensitive enough where I can see the arterial flow and measure how strong that is, and also look at the venous return or the venous blood flow returning the blood to the body and see how fast that's happening. It also allows me to look at the quality of the tissues in the actual erectile part of the penis or what we call the erectile bodies to see if there's any development of, you know, that tightened tissue or that scar tissue, otherwise known as fibrosis. Um, So from, from that information, the arterial inflow, the venous outflow, and the quality of the tissue in the penis, I can tell a man where his erectile dysfunction may be stemming from just based on the um, investigation of those things. So that is really not only helpful for the patient to understand, you know, what's going on with why he's having trouble, but it's really important for me because it allows me to tailor his treatment options to the root cause of his erectile dysfunction. And this results in a much more effective outcome in terms of getting him back to the erections that he's looking for. The test itself takes about 15 to 20 minutes. During that test, you're given an injection with a medication that helps bring on the erection. Uh, And universally, all men are very nervous about, you know, having an injection into the penis, but it's done with the very smallest needle that's available. And most men, honestly, ask me if I've done it and I've already done the injection. So they didn't even feel it. I would say the worst part about the test is worrying about the injection and then realizing that it was no big deal. And the injection, the intention is to uh, facilitate an erection, I'm assuming, in order to be able to see the blood flow process. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. So it helps dilate those arteries to allow the blood flow into the penis. Um, So I can do some measurements of how well does the how well do the arteries respond to the medicine and how well does the penis um, become erect with the administration of this medicine? And it's a stronger medicine than what gentlemen take by mouth. A question off of that is that sometimes I'll hear this from patients that I see, and I have no doubt that, that you see something similar where a man will complain that primarily he's experiencing erectile dysfunction at maybe minute three, minute five, minute six into his erection process. Is that part of why this test takes some time? Because it might take some time to identify a leak or uh, the veins will dilate earlier on than a man wants, and that just takes time to see on the, on the test. 
Yeah. So, so you're right on the money. So at the beginning of the test, um, we take some measurements without the medication. So then I can compare them to the results with the medication. So I can kind of see the degree of response based on the flow and out the inflow and outflow. And then, as you said, there's different time points within the erection. So there's the initial phase of the erection where you may have a nice, strong, firm, rigid erection. Uh, but you might start to lose that erection after you know a certain number of minutes. And it's very important to capture that um, with doing the scan at you know that initial point and then a little bit later on in the erection process to see are we losing more blood th- flow through the veins um, or is the arterial flow initially strong and then diminished? So there's lots of information that I can get from that. Would you say diagnostics are needed for every patient? or there's a particular a type of presentation or situation that more warrants a Doppler? So for men that are achieving their goals and consistently having good uh, function with either pills by mouth like Viagra Cialis, uh, things of that nature, those men probably don't need an ultrasound right off the bat because if they're achieving their goals and they're having good results with the oral medications, then we we typically leave things there and unless something changes. But for the men that are not meeting their goals, either with pills or other therapies, or maybe they're having intermittent results where sometimes it's working, sometimes it's not, maybe they've noticed a change in their penis, either the the shape or the size, maybe there's a bend, maybe there's a new lump or a bump. Um, the ultrasound test becomes very important for those men um, because it not only lets me kind of help tailor their, their treatment options moving forward, but it also lets me diagnose them with other things that it can affect the penis, um, such as Peyronie's disease or scar tissue or things of the like. And Dr. Mendez, what does this test not tell you? The test itself, like I said, it measures the inflow, the outflow, and it looks at the the tissue in the penis to look for any um, problems with the tissue of the penis, but it does not tell me what caused these issues. So part of my specialty and, you know, what my job is, is to figure out now that I see these things with the blood flow or the tissues, what may be the cause of them. So the test itself just gives me numbers. And then, you know, I'm, my job is to interpret those numbers, uh, let the patient know what's going on, and then, you know, have a source of etiology or where did these um, problems come from, you know, looking at his overall picture of health. So not only do I talk to men about their erections, but I'm going to ask them, are they having any other health issues, hypertension, diabetes, heart issues, family heart issues? I can't tell you how many men that I've personally diagnosed with diabetes that had no idea or, you know, with, with heart issues, which can be life-saving for men that otherwise didn't know that they were having problems with their, their vessels. So my job in a sense is to take the numbers and, and give them meaning. Okay. So, so what I'm gathering is the test can indicate where things may not be working properly or as efficiently in the, the blood flow um, process within the penis, but in terms of um, what might be causing that in other areas of the body or other underlying conditions, that requires further medical examination, potentially further testing and whatnot, and a clinical and diagnostic judgment by somebody like yourself. Absolutely. Yep, exactly. Okay. Dr. Mendez, what would you say are some of the psychogenic implications of these test results? In particular, Can these different manifestations um, of erection problems or blood flow 
blood flow problems? Is that something that can be resolved by addressing the mind? Yeah. So it's incredibly important to address the man as a as a, a whole in regard to the brain body communication. So in erectile dysfunction, men may find it very comforting to know the why. Uh, Why are they having troubles? What's causing the troubles? It may be a relief to know that the blood flow in isn't as strong as as it may have been in their younger years. Um, And this actually gives, you know, autonomy or, or ability for the man to take a little bit more control over his care moving forward. And that is important also for the man that we do this test and we look and he has normal blood flow because there are many men that we do the test that are having troubles with their erections and we see they've got great blood flow in. They're not leaking blood through the veins back to the body and their tissues look nice and healthy. You know, for these men, their source of dysfunction is most likely coming from the nervous system, which I briefly mentioned before. And the nervous system is uh, incredibly important in the regulation of blood flow. And the nervous system is controlled by the mind. So um, we talked very briefly about the sympathetic system, which is our stress system. So our stress system is going to be that little voice in the head that may be saying, well, it's it's time for an erection. Is it going to be strong enough? Am I going to last long enough? Is you know what is my partner going to think? So all of those thought processes activate the sympathetic system or the anxiety system, and that, from an anatomy standpoint, constricts those blood vessels, and it is darn near impossible to have a strong, good erection if you're constricting the blood flow to the penis because the erection is completely dependent on blood flow. So um, for men that have normal results, the test is just as important because now they have a window to look at, you know, another system that can be treated, which is the mind and learning how to uh, quiet the sympathetic system and activate the parasympathetic system, which is the, you know, state of relaxation. Dr. Mendez, you mentioned this in terms of constricting blood flow, which um, I think is the the traditional way of looking at the psychogenic role. A question that I'm curious about is if a man were to come into see you and he and he shared with you that um, on his own or something that you can see through one of these diagnostic tests, he's able to gain and maintain an erection for an adequate period of time. When it comes to being with a partner, he is able to gain an erection, but he tends to lose it, um, let's say, a couple minutes into sexual activity. Beyond just the constriction of blood flow in, do you think it's possible that the psychogenic factors or the role of the brain also impact the blood flow out or um, if the veins are dilating or constricting. So absolutely. So I think, you know, what you're alluding to is, is right on the money. So the, the process of preventing the outflow of the veins is the compression by the erectile bodies. So if, you know, if we're having activation of that stress system and we're having a little bit of constriction, and that flow in isn't isn't as strong, 
we're likely also not getting that compression of the veins. And so you have that remains, the veins remain dilated, returning that blood to the body. So you can have situations where you're increasing that return. And so from from a pathophysiological standpoint, um, when we're looking at blood flow in the penis and, you know, the man that has a great erection in, you know, individual or independent sexual experiences, but then when it comes to partnered situations has difficulty maintaining, it is, I believe, a largely a fact when the uh, nervous system starts in influencing those pathways in and out. So not just the constriction, but also, as you mentioned, the return of blood through the venous system to the body. Okay. And I, I really appreciate that because you know when I, when I work with men who really come in with all types of different situations and different walks of life, it does become pretty intricate in terms of um, what men might be thinking or what types of anxieties come up leading up to sexual activity, going to engage with a partner, or sometimes men will be looking at their partner's reactions and that can have a certain impact later on in the process. Um, and knowing that the mind can play a role at various stages, I think it's just very important for our listeners to keep in mind as well. Dr. Mendez, you shared that there are three different categories, and I'm going to put these into layman's terms, both for myself and, and for our listeners. And these three different categories of where things could be going wrong here with blood flow in, retention, or like the blood flow going out, and scarring. How do these differences impact treatment? And in particular, will oral medications work in all three of these instances? So excellent question. So I'll start with the blood flow in. So if we see what we call medically is arterial insufficiency, or we're not getting enough blood flow into the penis to cause the firmness of the erection. The treatment options uh, include increasing the flow, which can be done through medications such as the Cialis, the Viagra, um, one of the more traditional forms that you might think of for treatments of the erections. It helps dilate those blood vessels. L-arginine or L-sertraline are amino acids, which are known to help increase blood flow um, to the periphery used by a lot of high-performance athletes, but also can help with blood flow to the penis. There are other technologies that are uh, new to the field, such as Gainswave or E-Wave, which can uh, cause angiogenesis, which is development of blood vessels, which can increase blood flow to the penis. Um, and then, as, as we mentioned uh, just a moment ago, increasing that parasympathetic system or that state of relaxation can increase the blood flow to the penis. I always recommend for men, uh, no matter what their testing shows, but particularly for men that have issues with blood flow in, to make sure that they're doing all of the heart healthy care uh, for their general health. So regular physical activity, getting the heart rate up, you know, getting a light sweat a couple times per week, taking care of their diet, making sure that they're avoiding salt and sugar to keep high blood pressure and, uh, you know, either diabetes or potential future diabetes under control, uh, in avoiding body toxins, which would include alcohol or cigarette smoking. Uh, just a side note, cigarette smoking, a single cigarette is going to cause 
constriction of your blood vessels for seven hours after each cigarette. So maybe motivation uh, to quit if you're a current smoker. So that's kind of grouping everything for arterial flow or blood flow in. When we start looking at the venous return to the body or the retention of blood in the penis, this is a much more challenging area to address. The medications oftentimes don't work as effectively in this category for men. If men have a good, robust response with blood flow in because of the medications, they may be able to compress the venous return a little bit more effectively, allowing them for more maintenance of their erection. But on a direct you know, interaction, the medicines don't work directly on the veins. So they don't help compress the veins. They just help dilate the arteries to, in that regard, help compress the veins. So venous leak or early return of blood to the body is more challenging to treat. The mainstays of treatment here for many men are going to be what's called either a constriction band or a cock ring to go at the base of the penis to give a mechanical blockage to the return of blood to the body. Or for severe cases, for men that are not having good erectile function with any of the other treatment modalities, um, we often consider the surgery, um, the penile implant surgery for men that are not responding well um, to their other treatment modalities. And that goes for any of these categories um, in terms of the, the penile implant. And then the last category in terms of the scar tissue, For men that are not having their regular erection cycle or morning erections or have evidence of fibrosis or scar tissue in the tissues, I typically recommend something called uh, vacuum erectile device therapy. It's um, kind of, if you think Austin Powers back in the day, you put the penis in the tube and you pump. And what it's doing is it's putting a gentle stretch on the tissues, never to the point of pain, but it helps, uh, it kind of gives that blood flow to the penis that it may not have seen in a while and helps gently stretch those tissues. So think of it as, you know, warming up for the race in a sense. And I I typically have men do this on a daily basis for about five to 10 minutes to to help increase the health of the tissues. Uh, I have a little sheet that says yoga for the penis um, to to give it a little uh, framework. And I think our our listeners are going to appreciate that Austin Powers reference. It's something that definitely brings up a little nostalgia for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of what struck me about that is if a man is struggling with erectile dysfunction and has tried oral medication, what, what, what I'm really hearing from you is that there could be other things going on that really warrant a bit of a different treatment approach. Right? That might not exclude the usage of oral medication, but certainly if there is leakage or if there's scar tissue, there are other ways to go about approaching this that, that can really make a significant difference, um, really all the difference between like having a robust erection and not being able to gain or maintain one. Absolutely. And there are so many different things that, you know, there's an entire menu of options and how to optimize a man's erections and knowing, you know, how the blood flow looks, how the tissues look, how they feel about their erection goals. You know, if their blood flow is normal and their tissues are normal, helping them understand that there's other things in their bodies that they can, you know, learn about in terms of the, their thought process, their mind set on their erections that can, can significantly improve their erections. I I have many men that I, not getting good response from the 
pills by mouth. They have normal blood flow on their study. And then they uh, learn some of the pathways that you specialize in, in terms of increasing the parasympathetic, decreasing the sympathetic and learning how to address the mind in terms of the erections. And that in itself can give a better result than even the pills. Well, that is very helpful to hear. And I I hope that that message comes across in a really strong way, that there are multiple approaches. And and if medication has not worked for you or it's not as reliable or effective, there are other ways and other interventions and other treatments out there. And I don't know if you agree with me, Dr. Mendes, but I would encourage men to you know, utilize anything and everything that is out there that is medically safe and sound um, to be able to really address uh, some of these challenges and get closer to a satisfactory uh, sex life that I think everybody deserves. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. We can always get a man back to erections. It's just finding the pathway that's right for him. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Mendes, for your time. I really, really appreciate you coming on. This has been extremely informative for myself. I have no doubt that you know, the listeners of this podcast are going to benefit tremendously uh, from just hearing from somebody who has the professional caliber that you do, that there really is no reason to give up hope. And all right, the sex life that, that they want is obtainable. So I appreciate you coming on, giving us that message. And uh, we look forward to having you join us on a future episode. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.